of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 529. Jason Linger is with me and Clive DeCarl returns once again. We're going to talk about the things we usually talk about with Clive. One of the things that I'm interested to learn more about is the methylene blue, but we're going to start in a different place here. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And another hot good morning. All right, Clive, I know you haven't been feeling well. I hope you're well enough to get through it with us today. Thank you. I wouldn't like anybody to think that I was unwell from a health reason. It's just I did a talk with somebody and we think we were poisoned. Actually, it sounds like you were poisoned. Sounded like a stranger walked up and gave two people a drink and both of them became ill pretty quickly. Exactly. So I don't know what it was, but um, here I'm, I'm on the men. Well, it's a terrible world when we've uh, got to watch everyone around us and not accept drinks from people. But let's jump in. Uh, I'm going to follow kind of verbatim what you've laid down. Uh, I'm going to take a, a real interest in the methylene blue, which actually you have sent me, but I've been holding on to it till I know more about it. You can't look much up online that's uh, not mainstream degrading the idea like all anything homeopathic gets degraded online these days. But let's jump in with the idea of gnosis versus diagnosis, which is interesting. And we just released an episode with Fortune, and he goes on and on and on about the pre-30s and how there was gnosis in homeopathic medicine and positive results. But let's jump in. Gnosis versus diagnosis. Well, the best thing to do is to start with a definition of the term. You know, gnosis from the Greek is to know. Agnosis is not to know. Therefore, I propose that diagnosis is two people not knowing. Ah, that, that is classic. <laughs> you broke down the prefix there. So, you know, we do know at a core level what we need. You know, I, I would contend that let's say you walked into the most fabulous health food store on the planet and there's a big sign saying everything has been picked like five minutes ago and it's all free. Have whatever you like. Now, I think immediately our intuition would take over. And we would start eating as we did in the wild. You know, if we came across the wild strawberries growing in the forest, we'd feast ourselves until we were full of wild strawberries. And I think we'd do the same. I think our eating habits would be totally different if really fresh, wonderful food was available and if it didn't cost us a fortune. So I think on that basis, uh, we know just like animals do. You know, an animal gets sick, it goes out and finds the grasses or whatever it needs to eat. and clears itself out. And I think we have that ability. So I believe that actually it's way more than that. I, I think I may have told the story before, but one of my, my best results ever was using four frequency devices, which I'd wired up to one poor man and he'd come with brain fog, pain and eyesight problems. And uh, at the end of the hour, he was the most happy client I'd ever had. And I had looked over and I realized I'd forgotten to switch the machines on. And he'd done it all in his mind. You know, it's interesting. You don't even hear the idea of, you know, we know what our body needs. The only time you really hear about it is with pregnant women, right? They talk about pregnant women having urges for foods they end up needing. But for my part, Clive, I think so many people are walking around thinking, well, I eat relatively healthy, but they're not getting the nutrients that were once in the food. For my part, just the uh, magnesium alone made a huge difference in my life. But I think there's something to what you're saying. We should know something about ourselves, right? I mean, if we're lacking, we should have an idea of what that is. Well, absolutely. And 
actually, it's not that hard necessarily to work it out. I mean, let's say that somebody's low on energy, and clearly, a lot of people are low on energy. Probably, the first thing I'd consider is, is that person low on selenium, the mineral selenium? Because there are huge areas of the United States where the selenium in the soil is pretty much gone. It may have been low in the first place, but in a lot of states are very low on selenium. So pretty much everybody, for instance, with fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue is very likely to have a selenium deficiency right near the top of the list of things they could correct. So our bodies give us the warnings. You know, For instance, let's say you've got little white dots on your fingernails. Well, that's your body telling you that you, you've got a zinc deficiency. Our body is very good at giving the indications. What we lack is the basic knowledge that should have been given to us in our education system at, let's say, 15, uh, as to, okay, here are, a whole here are a whole bunch of symptoms. Here are a whole bunch of likely causes for them. But we're not taught uh, the right stuff. Well, we're in a terrible spot now because of what's become of searching on the internet, taking the selenium. And as an example, you sent me selenium and it made a big difference for me. There were a few things. I think I was very undernourished because like most people, I thought, well, I've eat, I eat salads and I eat other things, but they're depleted. Now, when I took the selenium, uh, oh, and by the way, you upgraded that. A later version of the selenium was much a thicker oil type thing called targeted. Here's the interesting thing about the selenium, Clive. When I first took it, I did not care for it. I, you know, I did not like that taste. Now I don't even need water. I put it in my mouth. It doesn't bother me, but here's the rub about the internet. When you first talked about selenium and you had sent me some, I went to look it up and I found bad mouthing. I found that this was a toxin. This was listed as a toxin. And then I saw where they were talking about doses, but they were just micro doses. And I thought, is this even enough to make a difference? Um, but that was my experience with the selenium. As a matter of fact, I regularly take the magnesium, the selenium, the iodine, and the fulvic minerals. No matter what I'm doing in the world, those things that you taught me about and provided to me uh, are things that I take every day without fail. But getting back to the selenium, I don't think most people can even look it up and find truthful information about it. Well, increasingly, uh, when you do look things up, uh, lies are being told where a few years ago it was truthful. So you know, one of the problems is that the, the quality and the type of material we're talking about. So with selenium, there, there are several different types out there. And there's type made from yeast, which is quite good. There's a type that's blended to the amino acid methionine, which is quite good. But you know, as you know, the version that we do it, it is a liquid version. The reason, by the way, that it tastes different is the manufacturing process. The manufacturing process can take up to 24 hours where the selenium is specially treated with a type of oil. And the reaction, we can measure the reaction. We know when it's happened but sometimes it takes a few hours, sometimes, sometimes it takes double. And so each, each batch we make will have a different taste. It is the same stuff, uh, and sometimes it tastes less bad than others, I suppose you might say. I didn't, but let me cut in. It's, it's like a, a taste from nature, I guess I would describe it, but it was off-putting at first. Um, remember when I told you I was taking it, and if I used the 
iodine. It tasted like sesame. And then you said, oh, you can't take those two things together. Um, so I learned to space everything out, but uh, it's a similar taste as it ever was, Clive. I'm pointing out that my body is not put off by the taste anymore. Ah, yeah, it's funny you say that because I found that with several substances. When I first started taking iodine 20 years ago, it tasted revolting to me. It was horrible. Now I quite like it. it and I think the body uh, learns. It, it, you know, you take the stone for a little while and then suddenly the body, yeah, I, actually, this is good for me. This is a really positive thing that you're putting in. And I think it changes one's appreciation of the taste. That's why I brought it up, because we opened this conversation going in the other direction. And I think that's exactly what happened. I think my body realized that it needed that. And now it's actually a pleasant taste to me now. And it was far from a pleasant taste when I first started taking it. Yeah. And I mean, one of the great things about selenium is that it makes your body work properly in the sense that, uh, you know, the ultimate anti-inflammatory, the ultimate anti-poisoning, the, the, one of the ultimate, well, and it shows the ultimate antioxidant that the body makes is glutathione made in the liver. But without selenium, you can't make it. So a lot of people are ill for a host of reasons that are quite possibly basically due to their body's own inability to create the necessary healing substance so it hasn't got the precursors. And this is really, in a way, what healing is about. It's about you know the cells of the body, let's say the, the mitochondria, the energy-producing part of the cells, having uh, the raw ingredients to function properly. And I would say mitochondrial dysfunction, you know, leading to a lack of energy, lack of everything, is rampant just because the food's rubbish. Just because I don't want to forget, I want to ask you a question that's a little off topic. Do you have any experience with neem, N-E-E-M, very popular in India? Are you familiar with it at all? Uh, well, yes, I am. Uh, you know, I've been to India many times and uh, of the herbal remedies out there, neem is one of the top ones. You know, they use it there. Um, for brushing their teeth, you know, they make a toothpaste out of it. Let's say somebody had a fungal toenail, they might take neem oil and paint it on the fungal toenail and, until the, the fungus stopped. It's an incredible material. It's not one that I use a lot, but, but it, it is an amazing material, yes. I brought it up because this is a real sidetrack. We'll just do it for a second. We In one of the episodes, we got into a discussion about birth control. Because until I was much older, I didn't realize what women had to go through and what an ongoing, just, I don't want to say nightmare, but what a big deal birth control is and how unhealthy so many of the options are. Well, I had one of the members email me after the fact and mention Neem as a birth control. Now, I heard about it and for quite a while, I was taking it every morning. Like, I think you're supposed to do it on an empty stomach with tepid water or something like that. And I noticed positive results. But the whole reason I brought it up is, are you familiar with any aspect of neem for birth control? And I guess while we're on the topic, before we get back to the list, do you have anything to offer women about birth control if it's not neem that can help get away from these things that are so unhealthy? Uh, well, it's an old-fashioned concept, but uh, what women need to do is to avoid men. It, it's them that do it. It's the men. So otherwise, no, I've not heard of uh, neem as a birth control pill, but, you know, but, I, but I know almost nothing about it, really. 
yeah, I'm not sure that it's the, the pill form. Maybe we'll look into it. And actually, I'm guessing I'll probably get an email for having mentioned it. But taking a neem capsule in the morning, I had very positive results. It's just that I have to measure it out. Like you've given me the focus pills, which are based in a mushroom. And the problem is, is I get so many supplements, you know, you can't, you can't just do everything all the time. It's too many for me to keep track of, but let's get back on track here. By the way, Jason, do you want to get anything in before I start jumping on the toxification ideas? Nope. Good so far. Let's move forward. All right. So friends like Fortune and others who are interested in, in healing people like yourself, Clive, commiserate that our very environment is toxic. And I don't think it's any secret that people see the plane spraying. Our air is toxic. You got to be careful with your food. So many toxins. The products don't even need to mention it. If you just wander into a grocery store and get all these body hair care, even makeup products just off a shelf, chances are you're scrubbing toxins all over your body. Um, I noticed that you mentioned the Ohio disaster for detoxing uh, from the jabs, which is what we're going to get into here. But really, whatever the news is pushing is a small sliver of how toxic our environment has come. So let's talk about detoxing. Sure. Well, I've brought out several products uh, recently all to do with detoxification because you know we're, we're all toxically poisoned, obviously. So there are different types of toxins. The easy ones are the water-soluble toxins because they're pretty easy to get out. The more difficult ones are the waxes, the ceramides, the prions, you know, the misfolded proteins, the rancid fats. There are a whole host of different toxins that are actually very, very, very difficult to get out. However, there is a group of molecules called cyclodextrins. We've got a product now called albidextrin, and albidextrin is capable of dissolving and you know, reconstituting into more, more healthy materials, those fats and prions and so on, and then it's able to get them out. So it's effectively trying to turn fat-soluble uh, toxins into water-soluble ones, if one can, uh, or otherwise dissolving, somehow changing those uh, toxic waxes uh, into a form that we can get rid of them. And it's actually, for change, a nice-tasting drink. Uh, it tastes quite good. And um, I've been using it, and I get a very good feeling for it. But th there are other ways to do it. Of course, let's say you're in France, what you'd be using would probably be a, a suppository. You know, you'd pop a suppository up your bum, and you can draw toxins straight from the liver and out that way. So we've got a couple of quite interesting materials which we put into suppositories. One is a mixture of EDTA. A lot of people have heard of EDTA. It's one of the most effective ways to detoxify really nasty stuff, you might say. And uh, there's glutathione in there, uh, a few other materials. So you can just uh, get rid of toxins while you sleep, which is, of course, the ideal time to do it. Why, I'm sorry to interrupt, but why France? Why did you single out France as the only place that would be using a suppository? Are you pointing out that it's an effective method and very few places do it? Well, in France, it's considered normal, you know, whereas we might consider taking a tablet or a capsule as normal. They, more than anywhere else in the world that I'm aware of, use suppositories a lot. That's why I mentioned it. But, you know, I mean, the first time I 
really saw suppositories in action was for reversing cancer, where somebody I know gives various treatments with cannabis. And of course, you can take a very strong dose of cannabis while you're asleep, because you're going to sleep right through it. And taking it as a suppository is an ideal way to do it. And of course, it can be hugely valuable from perspective of fixing issues uh, you know, in, in the lower part of the colon. Hmm. So the, the other classics for getting rid of toxins are things like sulfur, MSM sulfur. MSM sulfur is incredible because its chemical mechanism is to sulfate things. Now, so if you've got a metal toxin like mercury or lead or something that you can't get out of the body, if you can sulfate it, turn it into mercury sulfate or lead sulfate, it, that's water-soluble, so you can pee it out right away. So the water-soluble uh, toxins are, are, are easier, as I mentioned. So MSM sulfur is a good way to go. And generally speaking, it comes in capsules, but you can also get it uh, as a pure powder. Here we have it on the site. And while most people might want to take half a teaspoonful or something like that, actually, in some cases, people have got incredible benefits from like one or two tablespoonfuls if there's an issue. And at one point, it, it was actually our best-selling product because it has a massive history of being anti-cancer as well. It's great for the skin and the hair and the nails. What's it called, Clive? MSM sulfur. And that's a powder, right? Because you've sent that to me. Yeah. It's been known about for years. Um, uh, if you ask any veterinarian or, or a horse owner, uh, they'll probably tell you if the horse is ever injured. Uh, they give the horse MSM. They rub it in as gel. They give it in the feed. And you know, so the top racing outfits for horses know all about MSM and how incredible it is. And of course, I know that you've interviewed Amanda Volmer in the past about DMSO. And of course, DMSO and, M and MSM are two versions, if you like, of the same thing. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. DMSO is a bit of a miracle substance for people out there. I was having like arthritis was starting to be a problem in my hands. And uh, Fortunate told me to take DMSO and iodine, mix it 50-50. By the way, if you mix anything with DMSO, it heats up at first. And you don't use DMSO unless you know what you're doing. You've got to be very careful with what touches it because it'll draw things in the body, but it, it works quite quickly. But to get back to the MSM sulfur detox, here's the thing, Clive, we're all westernized and we have Western medicine ideas in our head. And this is one thing that baffles me, learning everything that I have about health from the types of people that I like to have on. Your body is toxic. Our environment is toxic. And no portion of modern medicine even addresses the idea that there are toxins in you. How do you get them out? This was one of the reasons I was so big on the Gerson method and still am. It's showing you a way to get them out. And I don't think most Westerners think about that. If you get mercury or any toxin in you, the only way to get better is to get it out of you. The only way things come out of you is if you defecate, urinate, or maybe if you sweat. And like you said, so France doesn't have a cultural problem with inserting things up their anus. Well, in the United States, even getting someone to consider an enema is a huge thing. But I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. 
these things have to come out of your body some way, right? And that's what people don't consider, I think. Well, m- most people don't realize that they're backed up. I had a guy reporting back to me after doing a 14-day fast, and he said the funny thing was he was still shitting for the first eight days. And I suggested, well, maybe you were backed up eight days. So just because you're going regularly doesn't mean it's not backed up. So right. it's an area to consider. Just back to horses for one second. I heard something very interesting by uh, an elderly lady who'd been brought up in a racing yard. And she said that prior to the weigh-in, the jockeys would have concentrated baths in Epsom salts, uh, magnesium sulfate, because it dehydrated them so they could lose weight on the scales. Hmm. So anybody, you know, lots of people are taking Epsom salt baths, and they need to be aware that they are dehydrating themselves. They must drink lots of water. So what are you suggesting? If you take it, a lot of people take those baths, are you suggesting that you need to consciously rehydrate after that? Absolutely so, yes, according to jockeys. Hmm. And I didn't know that until recently. Well, getting back to the guy who goes on the fast and then goes to the bathroom for eight days, I would suggest that that's how many days backed up he was. And that's another thing about the Gerson method. And by the way, almost every healer that I respect that I've met will honestly tell you there's no such thing as a, what do you call the system? What's the system, Jason, everyone always references that doesn't exist? The immune system? Yeah, the immune system. It's not a system that you could put up a diagram of the body and say, there's the system. And yet, everywhere refers to it. Even drug companies, oh, your immune system. All the people I respect say that immunity starts with going to the bathroom regularly all the time without fail. And I think you agree with that, don't you? I 100% agree. And of course, most people are backed up because they haven't got enough magnesium to get the bowels moving. You know, if the bowels clench up, it's going to be difficult. Magnesium you know, being the mineral of relaxation lets ev- everything relax and things can move. Then people are dehydrated. And of course, if you're dehydrated, then things are going to get stuck as well. I probably told you the story about a 28-year-old woman who came to me who had uh, some bowel issues, and I suggested a mixture of bentonite clay and psyllium husk and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of water. Next morning, she rings up, said, you never guess what came out, small piece of yellow Lego that she assumed she must have swallowed accidentally 25 years previously. Oh, my word. Yeah, we, we Jason and I have heard other stories recently we we heard i guess we won't we won't be specific jason but uh a person associated with the medical field who is someone we respect and they were having issues and they focused in on the bowels to make sure that the so-called immune system at its level you know foundation which is basically going number two and a foot and a half worm came out and they were astonished. And that's another thing, you know, I use your magnesium every day, Clive. And what you just mentioned is part of the reason I use it. I never miss a day going to the bathroom, number two. And if I do that next morning, if not that day, I am all over it. And the way I deal with it is with your magnesium or with your vitamin C, because both of those things will get you going. But every night before I go to bed, I take four magnesium. And this is what everyone should know. When you first start taking magnesium, it can put you in the bathroom if you don't find out how much is right for you, which is fine. 
to have diarrhea for a day. It's really not fine to do that for many days. My point being, you had said, I think you told me at one point you could take eight magnesiums at once. Yeah, I seem to have a huge tolerance for it or a huge need for it, maybe. So case in point, I can't, if I took eight at once, I would be in the bathroom. So my balance point is four. Every night before I go to bed, I take the thing that fortune turned me on to called Chlorofresh, turns your poop green. I take two of those and I take the magnesium every night before bed. And that pretty much guarantees that the first thing I do in the morning is get my so-called immune system fired up. In other words, I went to the bathroom and I'm not holding waste products in my body. So there's something called the auto brewery system. The auto brewery is where, let's say you have lots of orange juice and sugar puffs and sweet cereals or whatever for breakfast. If your bowels aren't working properly, those things will turn to sugar, which turns to alcohol. And there are kids getting drunk every morning at breakfast because their bowels are working so badly, they're creating alcohol in their guts and getting drunk. Is that true? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. It's super crazy. Do you think they would fail a breathalyzer test if they happen to encounter an officer of the law? I don't know. <laughs> I promise, officer, I was just eating cereal. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Clive? Should we get the methylene blue in hour one or hour two? Uh, I'm happy to do it now. I have an extraordinary result, and this is applicable to people with epilepsy. I had an email from uh, one of my customers who was having seizures and had done, I, th I think, you know, for many, many, many years. And she took two drops of methylene blue in water and she had an unpleasant epileptic reaction. What happened next was that she felt that something changed in her brain and her, bre her neurons or whatever suddenly accepted the methylene blue and she felt a change. The next day, she took one drop, and this must, she wrote to me, 17th of July. At that date, she hadn't had another epileptic fit since. And she used to have them regularly? Yes, yes. So, you know, obviously, that's a one-off. So, you know, who knows? But I thought that was pretty unusual. So we talked previously about methylene blue in another episode, but the I think the core things to know is that it is a booster for one's neurology. If you want to be smarter, if you want to repair damaged myelin, you know, multiple sclerosis people have got damaged myelin, somebody's got Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, those sort of issues. Methylene blue is really one of the first things they, I think they could be researching because it's had a long history. You know, it's been used on a sort of medical basis since the 1890s. It was grandfathered into the American FDA system because it's been recognized as perhaps one of the most important antidotes to cyanide poisoning, one of the most uh, important antidotes against uh, carbon monoxide poisoning, all sorts of different poisons. It you know, rebuilds people's brains and so many people actually notice really quite rapidly that a dose might affect them in a very, very positive way. Along with that sort of neurological side, it's also an antidepressant. People feel happier. It repairs nerve damage. It carries oxygen all around the body. So if you get more oxygen to the brain, 
I'm told that that makes you a brighter person. It's an antioxidant at the right doses. And it, I've got no proof of this, only what I've heard that it can correct anaphylaxis. So people who go into anaphylactic shock, they haven't got their EpiPen with them. They could consider carrying some methylene blue. Obviously, they should do their own research there. But septic shock, you know, the medical, medical profession carry it, uh, you know, in the ER, there will be methylene blue because of all the things that they know it does. So, you know, septic shock, you know, is, is a, a serious issue. So it will do things like repair memory loss, you know, clear brain fog, partly because it's, it's an antifungal. You know, some people will be familiar with methylene blue because they use a, you know, not the type that humans would use, but they use a version of a tropical fish. You know, you put a drop of methylene blue in the fish tank and that kills all fungus. You know, it's an incredible antifungal. It's, an, it's quite an amazing material, you know, but there's way, way more than that. It rebuilds the mitochondria, helps, helps the mitochondria function better, I should say. Therefore, you've got more energy and more health. It, it's an electron recycler, you know, the redox me- mechanism. You know, we run on electrons. That's where we get our power and we get antioxidants or we use a Tesla machine or touch the ground barefoot. And methylene blue allows the body to recycle electrons, to use them over, which is a you know, pretty amazing thing. Uh, many doctors recognize it as a, something you give people if they're going to have, going to have a stroke. But, you know, it's incredible. It breaks down uric acid, so uh, it can be good for people with gout. It, it's an amazing, amazing material. And I suppose, you know, in the last year or so, it's had a sort of resurgence of interest. So, I, uh, you know, I, I make a version which is as good as it can be. and. One often starts with perhaps 10 drops in a glass of water. And first thing you notice is, of course, the glass of water will go bright blue because when it was originally discovered, it was discovered uh, as a blue dye. And um, you begin to know that you're taking it because your pee will go, go blue. You want to dilute it a lot so that your teeth and tongue don't go blue. 10 drops. You're saying 10 drops. Well, 10 drops is a, is a very good starting dose. And let's say you took 10 drops. You can start with one drop, you know, particularly if, you, if you've got a, uh, an issue, start, always start low and build up. But generally speaking, 10 drops in a glass of water, big glass of water, and you could next day perhaps take 10 drops twice a day. You could build up to maybe 60 drops a day. Now, there are doses above that, but again, like iodine, it's, it's one of those things. It's really great to know what you're doing, you know, uh, so you don't get anything wrong. You know, so your pee will go green or, and then blue. So you know, don't be alarmed by that. At least you know it's going through and coming out the other side. All right. So I've got a whole bunch of questions about methylene blue. In a hospital, how do they administer it? Good question. I don't know. Okay. Because I noticed you said they had it on hand. And I'm guessing it's mostly to undo poisonings and things like that. But is it, is it dangerous? Can it be toxic? You can drown in water, everything's dangerous beyond a certain point. But at the levels we're talking about, uh, as I understand it, uh, there are no toxins that one needs to be worried about. But if you're on a, on a drug, a medication, you certainly want to be aware that you could have an interreaction conceivably. And as I don't know about drugs, 
uh, I can't answer that that question. I'm just looking up in the book to look for any contraindications. That was my next question because when I went online prepping up for this again, because you had sent me some methylene blue, uh, it was going on and on. I think about pain pills, but what got my attention was some places mentioned, oh, absolutely don't take this with, I think ibuprofen or any kind of an opioid. And then other places didn't say anything about so-called pain pills. Right. Really the only thing that's really serious, I would say, is because it boosts uh, serotonin, people who are on SSRIs should not take it because too much serotonin would be a bad thing, clearly. Define SSRI so people know exactly what that is. It's the serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So in other words, things like Prozac, the antidepressants, they're the SSRIs. And because methylene blue creates serotonin, which you you could say is happiness. So you don't want too much serotonin because that wouldn't be natural. So that's one. Then shouldn't be given to babies and don't use if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. Uh, I'm researching that from the book, The Ultimate Ultimate Guide to Methylene Blue by Mark Sloan, who's a very, very interesting author. And in his book, he mentions that, um, mentions it for pain, heart disease, cancer. He calls them viruses. I would tend to call them cellular debris, which people mistake for viruses, but it's very good for clearing up uh, the debris, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. All right. So the first time I ever became of methylene blue, I'm very good, very good. It's one of my best skills at being able to hear if the bell rings or if the bell is cracked is how I describe it. It doesn't always tell me, almost never tells me everything I would like to know, but it does give me a basis. And from the first time I ever became aware of it and saw it, I knew that I was very interested and there was something to it. As I began to research, I realized, oh, this was a dye. Now I'm very interested in. You can go back to our episodes on color to know why I am so interested in dye. Dyeing used to be a complete art at a time way back when the artists or the craftsmen and women absolutely knew that they were creating a vibration rate and they wanted to dye things and get an exact color because they know that's an exact vibration. This was a time when linen was known to be a very positive vibration. Now go back and think of all the places that wear linen, particularly in the Middle East. But here's my point. That blue, when you see it in powder form or other ways, it draws you in. It's a positive blue. And as a dye, as I have said so many times here, uh, color is vibration or at least part of what makes a color a color is based on vibration. Um, And I just wanted to put all that out there, Clive, because I have a big interest in the methylene blue, which I am going to start to try now that I feel like I know a little bit more that wasn't just some WebMD nonsense, but my gut tells me that it's important. Well, I get that same feeling. And of course, blue was the most sought after of all, all the colors for dyes. There was indigo and one or two other blues, but it was incredibly sought after. And, you know, frequency is everything. Let me just 
talk a bit about dosage some more. As with everything, dosage is weight dependent. You know, if you're very small or very big, obviously you're going to need less or more. And on my website in, in the UK, we're not allowed to tell you the truth. You know, we just can't say anything at all on the website. So what I've done is, as you know, I've got a membership club called secrethealthclub.com, and we've made a one-pound membership, like a one-dollar membership, uh, just for contractual reasons. Then you can be a member of the club and you can read how to dose methylene blue, for instance, properly, how to work it out by weight. It's very, very easy, luckily. Because a club can say things legally where you are that you can't just talk about otherwise. Well, exactly right. You know, I started it in 2014 because the British government shut me down on YouTube, uh, threatened, threatened me. So I thought, well, okay, I'll just start a private club and all the information they don't want you to know, particularly the information they don't want you to know, I'm going to put it there. And that's what I do. So it's, it's a, you know, a club that you join. And it'll tell you about the Tesla devices and all the things that generally are hidden. Yeah, the Tesla devices are a big deal. And I I can't, people have no idea how common those devices were in America back in the day. And probably at about the same time that homeopathy was targeted by uh, what they call Rockefeller medicine. Anyhow, go ahead, Clive. Keep up. By By the way, the whole blue thing, all the prayer shawls. And everyone's heard the story about the snail, certain snail that that created, I guess it's more of a purpley than a blue, but it did end up making something on the lines of a blue. All those prayer shawls, things like the Israeli flag, other flags that always skew towards a very specific, I would almost call it a sky blue. By the way, Clive, if you put a single drop in, say, an eight or a 12 ounce glass of water, is it a deep blue as it is when you look at it, or does it become a lighter blue? No, if you do it to a decent strength, uh, 10 drops or, or more, uh, it's a fantastically quite deep blue. And when you mix it with the water, you see the dye mixing with the water, and, and that itself is very beautiful, the patterns it makes. It's an absolutely positive color vibration. I can assure anyone of that. But also, I, I am skewed. You can ask Jason. He's seen what I've built around my house. <laughs> There's a lot of blue. Um, anything you want to get in here, Jason, with regard to the methylene blue? Blue is good. (laughs) Blue is good. Just look up before you go further. Just so everybody knows, I used to have all these places that I support because I know their products are good under every episode. So up in the top navigation, there's a link called sponsored. If you go to that sponsored page, I just piled all the images in there. And the reason I did it is because I know these products are valuable and they're not commonplace. You can't just go get what's on offer here from any old place or most of them. And sometimes there are discounts. And that's what I was going to ask. Are you going to run any kind of a discount in conjunction with this? Oh, good question. You put me on the spot. Uh, I can only say yes. Yes, we will. No, you don't have to say yes. (laughs) And I I could actually edit that. (laughs) No, I'm happy. I'm happy to offer a discount. I I'll talk to my uh, Vicky, my colleague, and we'll work out what to do. All right. And it'll come. Just so people know, go to the sponsored link at the top. When the page loads, the top left image says Clive DeCarl on it. It's got like a lotus flower image on it. Uh, he was the first person that we interviewed 
where I recognized that the things that he was offering, you're not getting like that magnesium. I'm not getting that magnesium anywhere else. How many times have, have I contacted you guys, Clive, and said, I need like 50 more pounds of that? Well, you know, I, I was very lucky to have been able to learn from some of the greats. You know, I've interviewed so many people like you. And, um, you know, when I needed to know stuff like what is the best magnesium? How do you work it out? What is it? I was literally able, luckily, to ring up the, literally the people who wrote the books. And uh, I've been educated by the best, luckily. Well, I've found a number of things to you and a handful of them are part of how I live my daily life. Now, I wanted to touch on a thing. I wrote a note and I skipped over it because I forgot. You mentioned white spots on the fingernail, which I knew that was showing a deficiency. What does it tell us if, if you know how a fingernail is supposed to be like dome shaped? What if it's misshapen or flat or, or does that tell us something? Yeah, fingernail analysis is an incredibly useful device because you can go online onto Google even, and you can look up fingernail analysis and you will see all the different fingernail types you can get. You know, there are ones that some people have a black stripe down the middle of their fingernail, and that could be indicative of cancer. There are, you know, every deformity, if you like, of nail you can imagine with pictures, and you can very easily look at your own nails. They might have you know, horizontal stripes, vertical stripes, they might have bits coming out the sides, you know, all sorts of different elements. And you can tell a lot from that, really a lot. You know, you can even take it into the more so-called occulted arena. Uh, as an example, the middle finger in, I won't call it occulted, I'll maybe I'll call it alchemical ideas. Like the middle of finger would be associated with Saturn. So this is kind of so in-depth back in the day, you could even get a finger or the right or left side down to planetary or luminary ideas. But anyhow, where would you like to go, Clive? We've got a bit left in hour one. Well, we could talk about vitamin K2, which is so interesting. It's one of those overlooked elements. So there's been some research done recently about vitamin K2. And just tell you a little bit of it. Turns out that the people who are taking the correct amount of vitamin K2 have 26% less all-cause mortality. Now, it can go up to 36% in, in another, another study that they did. So if you take one mineral, vitamin K2, you could have, roughly speaking, a 30% less chance of dying. I mean, that's absolutely massive. Okay, so hold on. Put on the brakes before you go forward. Vitamin K, as we say, vitamin K2, is that a thing that you provide? It is indeed, and it's a thing you can eat. So what form does it come in from you? Okay, the form that I use is called natto, which is short for natto kinase, which is a fermented soybean product that's popular in Japan. It's a very, very weird food. It's like gelatinous mucilaginous is the term that they use for it. And most people don't actually totally like the taste. However, it's the only way that a non-animal, you know, that somebody doesn't eat animal products can get it. It's almost impossible to get any other way. So all vegans need, need to be aware that K2, along with B12 and you know, taurine, one or two other things, K2 is one of the things that they may be low on. And what happens if you are low on K2 are things like osteoporosis. 
So, you know, people as they get older, you know, but the, the biggest cause of death out there for old people is, is, is a fall. That's what they think. They think they fall and they break their hip. Turns out that often the hip crumbles away, they fall, and then they think, oh, I broke my hip. But actually it was the hip that collapsed. And vitamin K2 can be the reason why, or lack of it. So how it works is something called osteocalcin. So the body uses something called osteocalcin to convert calcium into the right place. You don't want calcium building up in the arteries or the pineal gland or in the heart. You don't want uh, calcium build, building up in the form of arthritis. Uh, you want it in the bones where it belongs. And you need K2 to get it there. So this was discovered by the dentist Weston Price, who I think many people might have heard of, you know, in the 20s, that sort of period of time. He used to go out to places that had just been discovered, new, newly discovered tribes, whatever it might be. And he had a camera. He's very keen on, on photography. All the photographs are on, on Google. And you can see all the poses he, he took. So, of course, none of the people he discovered there were brushing their teeth. You know, that was unheard of. So some people had brown teeth, green teeth. Some of them used a bit bits of stick, maybe, to clean their teeth. But he never saw a cavity never saw a narrow arch, no need ever to remove extra teeth that didn't seem to fit anymore. Everybody had huge, big, wide mouths with lots of smiley teeth. And he noticed that as Western civilization uh, interfered with their lifestyle, that their teeth started crumbling and falling apart. So he realized it was something in the original diets of, of people. Now, while uh, you know, the vegans might not like it. As far as we're aware, every society uh, consumed animal products as part of the necessary diet. So he started to figure out what was it? What was it? And in the end, he called it Activator X. And Activator X, he made from two products. He used cod liver oil, not, not fish oil, cod liver oil, liver oil, and the butter oil from animals that had been eating the lush grass of, in England, uh, April, May, June, when the grass is growing at rapid speed and is incredibly full of nutrients. And he found that a combination of these two were curing, as in reversing, cavities in the 1930s, right? All, you know, we knew how to do it years ago. Anyway, it took, I think, till 1997 until scientists worked out that Activator X was vitamin K2. So vitamin K2 is the answer for so many things. You know, you, you can laugh about it. So back to the uh, recent studies, 46% less cancer, 63% less advanced prostate cancer, 28% less cancer death, 20% less coronary artery calcification, 21% less coronary heart disease, another one, 9% uh, less coronary heart disease, another one, 57% less coronary heart disease mortality, then ranging from 27, 49, and 82% less metabolic syndrome. So, you know, this, this is type 2 diabetics right? Massive 
type 1 diabetics, 7% lower risk uh, for each 10 micrograms of increased up uptake, I recommend 250. Uh, so that might convert to 100%. Type 2 diabetes, 70% 17 reduction for each 100 micrograms, another one 50%. Anyway, you get the picture. Vitamin K is outrageous, absolutely outrageous, and um, it makes vitamin D work properly. So, you know, I've been recommending for 15 odd years taking vitamin D in winter, uh, but it's even more important to bear in mind that in winter, probably there isn't that grass-fed butter or, uh, you know, grass-fed cheeses from that time of the year. And vitamin K2 might really be a massive answer and it's inexpensive. Yeah, good luck getting anything grass-fed in the United States unless you're in a, a fortunate farming area. But we're wrapping up hour one here. And, and by the way, so the vitamin K2, it's like a gelatin when it arrives. No, no, uh, it's it's dried powder in a capsule. Small, oh, okay. Medium to small size capsule, quite doable. Okay, I can't remember if Vicky sent me that or not. I actually just fired off an email to her because, as you know, all the things that you really tout, I have to personally get involved with so that I can speak intelligently about it online. But go ahead and tell folks where they can find you and your wonderful products, and everybody remember. The sponsored link at the top of my website puts you on a page where Clive is the top left, Clive D. Carl. And I guess probably there will be some benefit in terms of cost. Go ahead, Clive. Yes. So just to click through uh, the link, it's uh, on Crow's site. It's clivedecarl.com. That's the actual website. And then I've got the other website is secrethealthclub.com. And that's a simple A to Z of quite a number of very common problems and what to do and, you know, what the supplements do. You know, if you've got a thyroid problem, you know, here are a whole bunch of answers. It's, it's simple, straightforward stuff. So people should be aware for the Secret Health Club because I've seen people comment, oh, you know, why are you charging for health? Look, he can't talk about this. For anyone who's followed our law episodes, you realize that there are different rules for so-called clubs. How is it that a men's club openly doesn't invite women in this country, right? If it was anything else, someone would sue them or make a legal issue, but a club can do different things. So the Secret Health Club allows him to talk about things. And by the way, I have it on very good authority that places like Britain, Canada, Australia, just to say places under the thumb of the crown are having a very difficult time with anything perceived as homeopathic. Anyhow, that brings our one of episode 529 to a close. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about a whole host of more important health issues. As I've said, my life changed when I met Clive. So many things have changed. I used to have the idea that vitamins are stupid. You just pee them out. I have a very different view now, but I don't go to CVS to get those vitamins. There's a big difference between quality and over-the-counter nonsense. The first hour is free to everybody at crow777radio.com. That is C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. Members know to log in for the full member episode, which is typically around two hours. They get access to all the forums. There are many, as well as comments under each episode, which tend to be topical based on the information in that episode. They also get free access 
to the two-hour film called Shoot the Moon, which covers all my telescope work. By the way, at the end of Shoot the Moon is the sun we don't see, the second sun that I first filmed in 2015. As far as I know, I may have been the first person to film it and put it together that it mattered. Just this last week, people, someone sent me a clip, Mr. BB333, I think I remembered that, has a YouTube channel and people send him like clips about UFOs and things, but a person in Ohio and a person in Los Angeles legitimately filmed the second sun. This is going to be a thing. I would go so far as to say that we may well live in an era with two suns. Time will tell. We're going to prep up, come back for hour two, and I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers. Belief is the enemy of knowing.